Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'll try that again. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are 137 days away from the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500 and 141 days away from what is the actual 50th anniversary of Mario Andretti's win on May 30th, 1969. And we have chosen this year, along with Mario and his family, uh, to celebrate that 50th anniversary as we lead into the month of May. So we're here today to talk a little bit about how we're going to do that. A lot of great things to get our fans involved. A lot of great things that are going to take place here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Obviously, uh, the name Mario Andretti means a lot to a lot of people around the world. Even people who aren't in racing uh, know the word Mario Andretti. So, Mario, thank you for joining us today. Um, Obviously, I said your name means an awful lot to the sport, but I think this sport's meant an awful lot to you. Your whole life has been in it. If you could talk a little bit about what did winning the Indy 500 50 years ago in 1969 do for your career, and what has it done over those 50 years? Well, it's, <clears throat> it's a race that's uh, with you forever. I mean, uh, there's no question about it, uh, but uh, uh, when you win it, uh, it does change your life in so many ways. Uh, and all for the better, quite honestly. Uh, career-wise, uh, it opens doors that uh, you could only could have only hoped for before, and um, and your personal life changes dramatically. But uh, again, uh, the end is to say, well, after you won Indy, I, I kind of lost them. But well, I said the end. I said you're just going to be traveling a lot more with me. That's all. But uh, again, it's just uh, uh, this race carries so much weight because, and I've said it so many times, and, and I mean it, that it's the only race on the globe that I think is worth the championship because uh, I think looking back to 69, it was a really banner year for me. You know, uh, I got four championships here in, you know, in Indy cars, and uh, the 69, what was particularly interesting for me, and, and, and you know, I feel I was so, so blessed that... Uh, uh, the, the season was so versatile, you know, because for the championship uh, you had the dirt, dirt cars, you had dirt tracks, you had road courses. I mean, good road courses. I mean, the last race of the season was uh, Riverside, uh, and then you had even Pikes Peak counted for for the championship. And I was I won on the road course, I won on the short oval, on the super speedway, and even Pikes Peak, and and. Really, uh, the big flower here, you know, the jewel was obviously uh, the 500. And and what was so significant for me also was the fact that I felt I was competitive uh, from the get-go, from uh, uh, when I was a rookie in 65, finished third and and won a national championship. And then uh, the next two years, 66, 67, I sat on pole, and I think I probably could have won uh, those races. Quite honestly, I felt the car. I mean, I had really a uh, barn burner at the time. And and then, but it didn't finish 66, 67, or 68. So the, the next race that I finished from my rookie year was 69. And of all people that uh, was on the team that I was able to win it for, not just for myself, but for Andy Granatelli. And I tell you, uh in my opinion, nobody deserved that victory more than he did because of what he meant to the Speedway. To him, you know, uh, the book says, you know, uh, they call me Mr. 500, but uh, 
the bottom line is, you know, the his innovative spirit, you know, with the with the Novi's, and then of course, uh, you know, the jet cars, and uh, he he was always trying to think outside the box, and and we came here in '69 with the uh, state of the art, uh, the four wheel drive Lotus, but not, you know, with the uh, with the jet engine. We uh, we had the the new Ford engine. And again, we were breaking records in practice. You know, I was really happy with the car, but uh, soon we found out how fragile the car was. And I said, "Oh boy, here we go again." And you know, I think the first weekend was um, uh, rained out, so there was uh, just uh, we're going on to the second weekend. And on the Thursday, a wheel uh, snapped right off, coming off a of turn four. And you know, I almost killed myself on that one, and and uh, so destroyed the car. And then uh, uh, Colin Chapman uh, decided to pull all three of the cars out of the race. So we had the spare car that we did not intend to race, uh, the Bronner Hawk. The good thing about the Bronner Hawk is that uh, uh, the last race uh, just before here, which was Hanford, we won. You know, so uh, but there were some other issues with it. So bottom line is. You know, we practice, we put on the front row, and, okay, uh, keep going, keep your chin up, buddy, you know, keep going, you know. We were really uh, treading towards adversity on this one, and uh, and in the race I had uh, uh, overheating like you can't believe it. And, you know, what was interesting is that uh, I had a, because it was really hot in the cockpit, because we had to put an extra radiator right behind my seat, and because it, it uh, didn't, we didn't qualify that way, so we had to hide it. <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, Clint Browner put a big bottle of Gatorade in the cockpit with me, so I could suck it up, you know. And uh, and about uh, I don't know, 20 laps into the race, I was already really hot. And then, and all of a sudden, I see this swirl in the cockpit, you know. And I said, Oh no! I said, It's good. It must have a radiator leak or something, you know. And I thought, But the engine was singing was still going and uh and we kept going and going and the car you know we were up in the you know in the front most of most of the race you know we we led more than half of it and um and again you know crossing that finish line you know was just uh, the greatest moment of my life you know it was just amazing um the, just like the 900 pound gorilla was lifted off my shoulders and uh I figure from here on, I think it's going to be easy. You know, we'll put a half a dozen together. <laughs> but uh, this uh, turned out to be the one, and um, I'm so grateful for what um, you guys at Speedway is doing. Um, this uh, It almost seems like uh, 100 years ago or yesterday. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, but uh, the memories are vivid, no question about it. And... Um, and again, uh, just uh, looking back, I just feel just how uh, blessed I've been, and and now we got like a skin in the game with the kids, you know, uh, having fun with it, and um, and it just gives me every reason to be here every year, and and like the first year, we just uh, always look forward uh, coming here with the same energy and and the same desire. You know, the, it's, your your career is impressive. Obviously, the win here at the Speedway, a Formula One championship, four IndyCar championships. You won Daytona 500, 24 hours of Daytona, 12 hours of Sebring, countless races in other places. 
the one thing that I think most of us have been impressed with is what you've done over the last 10 years to help promote the IndyCar series. You have been as vocal about what a great sport it is. You talked a minute ago about the diversity of the championship when you ran. The diversity is the same today, really, minus the dirt cars, right? But you have the same kind of diversity. Can you talk a little bit about a lot of drivers win their races and retire their career and fade off in the sunset. You have been more active as a spokesperson for the IndyCar Series and what a great series it is, uh, maybe than anybody. And maybe talk a little bit about what you see in the series today and why it's so exciting. Well, first of all, I just love the series. I know what uh, it's done for me, but also uh, loving the sport, period. I know the value of it. And, um, and again, uh, the, what all, the value they're always put into that is, uh, and it's probably not talked about enough, is the versatility, how complete a champion needs to be in this series. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, in, in the world of specializing today, uh, this is the only series at the top level that can make that claim of versatility. So it's got that extreme value because, I mean, you go from here, you go to, uh, you know, to St. Louis or some of the mile track, and you go on a street course, or you go on a natural road course, uh, and, uh, and again, another super speedway. So, as far as the season, I mean, it's daunting, and, and, and but it's uh, it's got more satisfaction than you could ever imagine from a driver's standpoint, and that's tremendous value. So, again, um, I have just a deep love for 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 this series, the sport, and I, and um, you know, I, I've seen, you know, I don't really need to get into that, the the, the issues that we had back in the mid '90s, but. Uh, but right now, to see that it's really gaining the status that it deserves, and uh, and I think that in itself, uh, I think, is very encouraging, and it's, uh, it gives you a lot of reason to be uh, extremely optimistic. And um, and again, we just uh, when you believe in something, you just gotta keep uh, talking about it, keep preaching, keep working at it, uh, because the value is there. Uh, just like you know, the the thing that I enjoy so much besides even the two-seater besides uh driving of course you know i'm just crazy about that but uh uh it's how uh how valuable that is to to showcase our sport because it's such a non-participant sport and yet you know to uh, media especially that they're the ones that write about the sport i think uh, and fans that um, uh, have been following us, oh, this is what it's like. You know, they uh, just, you know, you can see that there's a whole new energy coming away from, from the people, and, and you feel like you're cultivating it, like, one by one. Like, you know, if I get uh, a dozen people a day or whatever, I mean, I think we got a dozen more that we'll always remember and we go for it. So uh, you've got to be tireless, you know, about doing it, and uh, it's never an off-season for uh, trying to promote the series. So, uh, and again, you know, it's just what we love. Well, on behalf of everybody at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the promoters on the IndyCar Series, we appreciate all that you're doing to do that. We get to do something pretty fun right now. Uh, We're going to unveil a logo that's been designed really to help us celebrate Mario's 50th anniversary this year. It's a logo that you will see on the program of the Indianapolis 500 this year. You're going to see it on merchandise. Uh, It's really a way that we can celebrate alongside you uh, and the fans who have invested so much of their passion in the sport in watching you and your family and what you've given to the sport. So if you don't mind, we're going to have you go up, and I'm going to have Mark Miles, the Holman & Company CEO, who's donned in his Robin Miller-prepared uh, Mario Andretti sweatshirt. That, 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 
uh, and to have you guys unveil uh, unveil this uh, this logo that we're going to use to celebrate uh, Mario here for the 50th. So when you guys are ready, Mark, if you can undo that piece of tape, and then Mario, just pull that over towards you. We're pretty excited about it. You see that iconic smile and wave that Mario gave from uh, Victory Lane. Obviously, the 50 means an awful lot. The zero in there uh, looks an awful lot like an oval where Mario was really successful in 1969. So, again, you're going to see that uh, uh, throughout the year uh, as we lead into the Indy 500. Lots of merchandise, uh, lots of other places. Uh, we all, all the fans here at the Speedway and the IndyCar Series are looking forward to celebrating with Mario and the rest of the organization. <laughs> All right, so Mario, if you want to come back up here, we've got a couple more things, and then we'll take some questions. Um, a couple other exciting things uh, that we'll be talking about later this year or this spring. I don't know if you know this or not, um, but one of the most coveted items every May is our bronze badge and our silver badge here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, we will be unveiling those. Uh, later this spring, but they are featuring Mario Andretti. So the badges that allow you into the garage area and pit and pit lane will be um, a tribute to Mario Andretti. We're really wow. excited about that to help us celebrate. And then on May 1st, uh, the... You know how much I wanted those badges? <laughs> you know how much I fought for one when I was a kid? And now they're, you're going to see them everywhere in May, which we're, <laughs> which we're excited about. And uh, the foundation, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, beginning May 1st, is going to have an unbelievable exhibit to uh, celebrate your career here, not just at the Indianapolis 500, but in racing altogether. So we're looking forward to that unveiling in May and carrying on through the summer. We've done that for some of our iconic figures over the last uh, few years, uh, but I have a feeling that there will be none quite like the Mario and Andretti exhibit. So um, maybe to, maybe a closing comment before we, we take... Um, uh, before we take any questions, if you could rewind to 1965, May 1st, coming to your first Indianapolis 500 as a rookie, um, and you could tell yourself at that point in time how your career was going to be, uh, would you believe it? No, there's no way, but uh, no, no. But, uh, you know, as a driver, <clears throat> what do you shoot for? You know, what are your goals? And uh, and when you reach this level, when you reach Indy, you felt, okay, this is a plateau that I want to remain on, and, and hopefully I can earn the keep, you know, and uh, because that's as far as you can go here in, in America. And so uh, that in itself, I think, uh, just be able to uh, have the opportunity to race here. And as a rookie, uh, a lot of things are just, you know, obviously thrown at you for the first time. And uh, the one thing that I remember that was so daunting and uh, it was uh, because... When I got here, I had never driven a rear engine car. I had a roadster right up until the last race. You know, we had Phoenix, we had Trenton, and uh, the rear engine car wasn't ready until, like, uh, the last day of the uh, driver's test. And uh, <clears throat> so, I never, like I said, I never had it on the track. And so you talk about nervous, and I'll tell you what, nervous Nelly like you never saw. I had no f fingers in my nails. Or anything, but uh, the bottom line is the car was right, you know, right from the get go. And uh, I went out there, and you know, we breezed through the test. And uh, I remember that evening uh, was probably about uh, uh, maybe 5:30, you know. And uh, so McGee was all 
Jim McGee was all happy. He says, well, he said, tomorrow we can just go for some speed. And I said, uh, well, I said, uh, let me shake it down now that I'm, I'm not restricted. And we set quick time that day. You know, so I said, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. So can you imagine, you know, the feeling as a young lad here and uh, having a uh, feeling that somehow, you know, we have something to work with, you know, and you had, you know, the Parnelli Jones, the Jim Clarks, the Foyts, I mean, all the dudes were here. And uh, and I said, I said, quick time that first day. Then, and then, you know, like I said, and, uh, they played the conservative qualifying, but I, Anyway, in the race, we just, um, uh, we had some other, I'm not going to get into boring with, with the issues, but uh, finished third, and, <clears throat> and I felt, oh, what a wonderful thing. I mean, as a rookie, that's what you want. You know, unless you can win, you want a rookie of the year, right, because you only get that once. So it was a very auspicious beginning, and uh, and the season continued because in my uh, rookie year, I won the, the championship. In fact, at the time, I was a, the uh the, the, first, the youngest guy to win it, but there's there's one caveat here. There's something I got to tell you. I think I told this story before. You talk about the enorm the enormity of this race. Uh, myself, uh, at the end of the year, I was invited on the Johnny Carson show, and um, proud as a peacock, of course, and uh, and and I was introduced as uh, not the national champion. As the rookie of the year at Indianapolis, and at that point, I realized how important this race really is. I said, "Here, I win the national championship, and somehow it's uh, you know uh, they're not even probably going to mention. Well, we didn't mention it, or at least I did. But the, <laughs> but, uh, but the the rookie of the year at Indianapolis was the thing. So. Again, you know, uh, I don't know what else to really say to to top all that. But um, again, it was an auspicious beginning for me, and it's been 29 wonderful years here as a driver. Um, I wish uh, again. Obviously, we all strive for for more than at least one win, but then for more. Once you get one, you want more. But uh, the fact that uh, I think I'm third all time and. Laps led, and um, all except for Al, you know, more than the four-time winners, tells you that uh, I had a lot of good times here. Yeah, you led and 556 laps, 1,390 miles. You started 29 races, which is second only to A.J. By the way, you have one lap more than A.J. did in leading, which I know that was important. Now that's so enough. At the, at the risk of... Um, He's a lap behind. At the risk of ruining my relationship with A.J. Foyt, A.J. has the distinction of starting the most 500s at 35. You started 29. But if you think about from 2011 through 2018, and again in 2019, you have put on a fire suit, a helmet, strapped into an Indy car. You have been at the starting grid and rolled off when the pace car rolled off more times than any other driver in history. You have rolled off the grid on race morning 37 times. So you have beaten AJ in terms of the number of times go. the driver suited go. up on race there morning and gone racing. With that, we will take um, any questions. <laughs> The crash that you had in 69 left your face badly burned. Your brother Eldo had to sit in on the front row photo that year. How much pain were you in the rest of the month and on race day with the balaclava or whatever you were using then? Well, I mean, the pain per se, I mean, uh, burns are burns, you know, but uh, a lot of it was like it was some swelling, and uh, my breathing was not very good because, uh, you know, I was up my nose, 
and so you know you just had a breathe with mouth and uh, and you got you get really dry you know uh, when you do that uh, that's why they had this big bottle of Gatorade that uh, actually leaked out <laughs> you know but uh, nevertheless I mean it was uh, it was annoying for sure you know but um, when you have a job at hand like that I mean. Uh, uh, you don't even you don't bother with those things. They're small things, you know. So you, I think uh, your adrenaline takes over, and uh, you just just do your job. Mario, you've always embraced you've always embraced technology and been eager to drive uh, groundbreaking cars. Do you take any? Uh, see any irony in the fact that you won with a car that wasn't just old, but, I mean, pretty well used at that point? Yeah, I mean, uh, the irony is that, yeah, of course, but uh, as you can imagine, as I said before, that's not the car that was really, uh, that we, it was intended to be driven here. It was, uh, um, you know, we were a bit shy and spares because uh, uh, I had a deal that I had done with uh, um, Colin Chapman the year before, when I actually, um, in 68, when I owned the team, then when Andy Granatelli bought, bought us out, which that's what I was a blessing for me. I didn't want to be an owner. Um, then the deal came over, so I had it. We had the car that the, the, the Colin honored the deal, and then he entered two, his two, two cars, I think, uh, was with Graham Hill and I forget well. Uh, but anyway, so there were three of those cars. And uh, at the time, even aerodynamically, you look at the car, I mean, uh, it was really uh, nicely done. And uh, the basic chassis and the running gear was that of uh, the year before when they ran the, uh, the, the jet car, you know, that, uh, the turbine car, I should say, with uh, four-wheel drive and all that. So for here, the car was uh, just amazing because uh, um, I remember that, um, you know, going through turn one, <clears throat> You know, some of the guys are out there usually timing. You know, we were, all of a sudden, we were running numbers that they hadn't seen before, so we were quick. And then, but of course, uh, but the car was part of the Formula One project for for, uh, uh, for Colin. And, um, and of course, he tried to make the components, suspension components, uh, light enough to, to be the same ones for Formula One. And... And we paid the price, and uh, I mean, the, the, the hub just sheared right off uh, into turn four there, and uh, and we destroyed the car, of course. So, uh, so we we had no other option but to go with a with a Bronner Hawk, and um, and you know, again, uh, it was it was it was different for sure. The car was uh, uh, not as quick through the corners, much more of a handful, but you know, you, you just got what you got, and. Uh, and uh, so we put our nose to the grindstone and said we got to make the best of it and it turned out to be you know, the best. Mario, it's my understanding that uh, John Andretti was having surgery today. I wouldn't know that you have any information on that yet, but just in general, how has John been doing and uh, your thoughts about him today? I'll tell you, uh, John is a real champion. Uh, 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 you talk about inspiration for someone that uh, is dealing with something uh, as severe as that. He, I mean, uh, his spirits are high and strong, and uh, 
uh, he's, uh, he's probably uh, still uh, undergoing the surgery because uh, he went in around noon. And, um, and again, <clears throat> we, I don't have a report yet, but um, uh, if anyone can pull through something like this, uh, it's going to be him, you know, for many reasons. Uh, it's our prayers and it's everything that goes with it, uh, but uh, it's just believing and, uh, and uh, thinking positive. Um, and he's like no other. I mean, always right, always has a smile. I mean, we talk and say, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm doing fine, you know. How you doing? You know that type of thing. It's uh, uh, he doesn't want anybody to feel sorry for him. He says, "I'm fine. I'm good." So um, again, um, I uh, my heart goes out to him in every way. He's such a wonderful family, but uh, uh, he'll pull through. He'll pull through. We just feel very positive about it. <clears throat> Okay, I think we got one more. Yeah, Mario, uh, you had uh, you you were a Formula One World Champion. You were an uh, IndyCar champion. How do you compare? To, in my mind, uh, if you win IndyCar Series, as you pointed out, you are probably the best driver in the world. And I got to think that the drivers in this series now could rival anybody. There's nobody in their class, as you said. They run on a three-quarter mile track, and 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 they run a mile track at, at Gateway. They run a two-and-a-half mile here, and that Watkins Glen, that an IndyCar champion has got to be the best driver in the world. Well, that's a great compliment. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, To me, it's just what, what, what I loved. And, uh, and <clears throat> uh, I, just, I used to get a kick out of going to the extremes, like going from uh, Argentina to Ducoin, Illinois, you know, on the dirt. So it's, a, it's just a type of thing it's uh in 68 you know we're going to monza and uh, we had to come back qualify friday and uh, come back here the race at the hoosier hundred and go back on sunday you know type of thing so um again uh just even to have those opportunities quite honestly uh, i just um uh, i love all phases of our sport and um and i was always curious too you know, it's not a matter of, uh, uh, I know what I, my, I, what I specialize in the sense because I love the most is the pure, the purest form of the sport, which is uh, open-wheel single-seaters, which is Indy cars or Formula One. Uh, the rest of it is a derivative of something, but it's still, you know, uh, interesting in every possible way and, and requires special skills and uh, and. For me to have the opportunity to drive for top teams and, and go to another discipline, it was an incredible satisfaction that, uh, that I had that uh, I feel that I'm, I'm the luckiest man in the world to have had that opportunity. Uh, I think one thing I probably can say that uh, be a long time before a world champion Formula One will, will have won uh, uh, the Hoosier 100. <laughs> Well, Mario, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us today. Thank you for all you've done for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, for the sport of IndyCar racing, for the sport of motorsport, and thank you for letting us, along with all the fans of yours and of the Speedway and the IndyCar Series, celebrate your 50th anniversary this year with this great logo. Uh, we look forward to uh, working with you over the next few months and in 137 days watching you lead the field off once again. Doug, I say thank you. Thank you all. I'm privileged. I feel privileged. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you.
Should we get Attention media, we just need about a five-minute break in between press conference sessions here, and we will get started. Thank you. Test one, two, test, test, test one, two. Attention media, we do have a few select Mario Andretti media gifts located next to the window. Please feel free to take those after you exit this next press conference. Thank you.
Attention media, we are about to get started with this afternoon press conference. If you'd like to please come join us in the front. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. It was great to have Mario in here. And Can you hear us? You want me to eat this? I'll go ahead and kick us off. We are pleased to be joined by several members of the IndyCar executive team and some of its drivers, joined by Mark Miles, President and CEO of Holman & Company, Jay Fry, President of IndyCar, Scott Dixon, driver for Chip Ganassi Racing, and Alexander Rossi, driver for Andretti Autosport. Mark, I'll go ahead and let you lead us on an exciting announcement regarding our NBC broadcast schedule. Great. Can you hear the candidate? Good afternoon, everybody. Hello? Now you can hear me. I still can't hear me, but okay. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for staying with us. I started to say it was good fun and uh, really terrific to have Mario here and to look forward to the months of celebration that are so well-deserved. You just love being around him, his passion for the sport. He reminded me that IndyCar, USAC, used to include Pikes Peak and dirt tracks. My gosh. What do you think? We worked that into the schedule, guys? Um yeah, and he's just an inspiration to all of us, so we're looking forward to helping honor him appropriately over the next uh, few months. So the, the news today is somewhat news because you have in front of you uh, the details of the television schedule, the, the television windows for the 17 IndyCar races, uh, which will be broadcast by NBC in the United States. And while some of the top-line data has been known to you. Um, these are the specifics, and I know fans are eager to begin to understand exactly when they'll be able to tune in for the 17 races. We could not be more pleased with uh, what we know is going to happen in terms of exposing great IndyCar racing to more fans 
through these arrangements that have been made. You know that NBC and NBCSN and then digitally NBC Gold will make our racing and all the activities around IndyCar available at a level that's really unprecedented. And since the contract was signed and the original announcement was made, they've been unbelievably focused on how to, how to uh, make the most of the opportunity for fans and, and for NBC as a broadcasting entity. Um, first of all, you know that they're increasing the number of IndyCar races that will be on free-to-air or network television. So it goes up by three, which is a 50 to 60% increase. Every one of the network races gets two to three times the audience that a cable race gets. So we know in and of itself that's going to be a significant boost in the viewership of the series. Um, as much as anything, their plans to, to promote and the work they've already done are inspiring. So if you watched NFL wildcard games last weekend, you saw their first 15-second tease of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and that's just the beginning. And we were so glad to see it on, by the way, at an event uh, or a broadcast that had a very big audience. Um, it, it's indicative of the, how aggressive they're going to be to promote us. I think I can say, I know it's true, that uh, the divisional games will have the next installment of their, of their promotions. And in that context, they're going to show us as part of their championship season. So they have an approach which takes the biggest events that they'll broadcast, and then they really push them through all parts of the NBC platform, from entertainment to news, uh, obviously sports and all the rest of it. And they are really thrilled to have uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway join as the newest uh, event in their championship season. And you're going to see how they think about that a little bit if you watch the divisional games of the NFL coming up. Um, Let's see. They're going to expand their pre-race coverage of the Indy 500. I don't remember whether that's in the, uh, the news release, but you can be sure we'll be on the air longer. They'll do handoffs from NBCSN to NBC on the day of the race itself. I'm really delighted that they understand for us the importance from an IndyCar perspective on the culmination of the championship. And so both uh, Portland and Laguna Seca, the last two races of the year, will be on network, NBC, really trying to create the crescendo that uh, the crowning of the champion uh, deserves from our perspective. With this schedule, allows for coverage on NBCSN of Texas, Iowa, and Gateway as Saturday night under the lights on ovals, which I think a lot of our fans are really going to be looking forward to, um, and we'll, it will be well watched. And soon... We'll announce the details with NBC of the pricing of their NBC Gold digital offering, and we believe it will be a fantastic value for particularly hardcore uh, IndyCar fans, so we're looking forward to that. With that, with respect to television, I wanted to make just a couple other comments as we think about 2019, and we are tired from the offseason, but stoked about what 2019 offers for, for IndyCar fans. First of all, on the business side of it, sponsorship. We recently announced that Speedway is going to be the official fuel of the IndyCar series as well as the official convenience store. This company is fantastic. They're Midwest in their roots, but national in their scope. They now have 4,000 stores from coast to coast, and as well as they will be providing the, the fuel we need to race, um, they will also be promoting in their stores. 
and this is really a terrific platform. Lots and lots of people going through. If you stop at a, and I hope you do, stop at a Speedway convenience store here, before long you'll be able to, you, you'll expect to hear on their Pump TV uh, promotion of IndyCar in, in the Indianapolis 500-mile race. So it's just one little example of what they're bringing to the table already. Today we are not making an announcement about our title, our next title sponsor, but I would just say to you we expect that that will be very soon, and we are delighted at uh, the news that we expect to be able to make uh, quite quickly. And, and every time we say that, it's hard for me not to say how much we appreciated the relationship we had with Verizon. Um, they set a great foundation for the growth of the series, uh, but we're, we're that much excited or more with what's to follow with our next title for the series. And I won't be specific at all, but we're quite optimistic now that we will soon be able to name a new presenting sponsor for the Indianapolis 500-mile race. All these are great companies that, are, that love IndyCar racing and the 500 and will be, uh, I think, great partners in helping us grow the sport. We're really excited about the new races. These are not new news points, but they're things we're looking forward to this year. To get to Austin, the Circuit of the Americas, can't wait to see these guys and these cars on, on that track in that market. Uh, expect to get a lot of young techies and millennials out to begin to more appreciate IndyCar racing. And to get to the WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca for the finale is going to be special. I know my wife can't wait to go, so I'm hoping we can figure out how to get her there. Um, in addition, um, we are working hard, and it was uh, made public by the premier of Queensland and Australia on the possibility of having a get return, really, to Surfers Paradise in Queensland on the Gold Coast of Australia. If that's possible, it could be done for probably February of 2020. So that's work that is very intensified right now and hopefully something that might be achieved uh, and finalized in the next couple of months. So there's plenty of time to properly promote a great event. Uh, Doug didn't say much about it, but, you know, from our perspective at Holman & Company, the 500's also just around the corner, and there's uh, so much going on. We're excited about McLaren and Fernando Alonso coming back. That obviously made a huge uh a splash for the, for this place and the series uh, when he was here in 17, and we're looking forward to his return again this coming May. And, uh, you know, for kids in particular, the Zach Brown Band um, being the, the act that we just announced for, uh, um, for the uh, Legends Day, the day before the race. And I think we have announced, have we announced Foreigner and uh, Cool and the Gang um, for... If not, we just did. You're right. For uh, for Carb Day. Carb Day is going to be very cool, too. So there's just a lot to look forward to. We had uh, dinner with almost all the drivers last night, and, and then they reassembled for three-plus hours uh, today and um, feel great about the chemistry and how everybody's aligned looking forward to 2019. This is all um, about momentum. And I think that the sport, our company's momentum, has been aided enormously by the guy to my left. Jay Fry has done a fabulous job, first in running our sales organization and then moving over to IndyCar and competition operations. And now he's broadened his responsibilities to include marketing and communications and help us out in sales for a while. And uh, it's, uh, it's enormously important to our success that he's here 
And I just want to hand it over to you, Jay, and to thank you for your work. Thank you very much. Um, like Mark mentioned, we just came out of a three-hour driver meeting, so I'm pretty much, we're kind of all talked out. So we're going to do the best we can. Um, in the driver meeting, we mentioned this, I don't know, four or 500 times about our five-year plan, um, but that's something that the entire paddock helped create and come up with. Um, I think one of the byproducts of our plan, uh, last year at Sonoma, we had 25 cars and eight rookies competing in the event. Um, of the, the eight rookies, think of this, do not just the, the quantity we have, the quality is very, very high right now of the rookies coming in. So we're very excited about the future. Uh, there's a lot of organic growth, and um, you know, we certainly see that continuing on in 2019. Um, one of the things we do, which, again, we run through a lot of these things on the, with, with the drivers this morning, we have a race rating piece that we come up with. So there's, uh, we have a formula. We have some fan uh, surveys. We do that type of thing. So last year, 80% of our races were perceived to be better than they were in 2017. So we pay attention to what we do, and um, a big example of that is here at the Speedway. Last fall, we tested here twice, once with two cars. Um, Scott participated in both, Alex participated in the second test, um, to see what we could do to enhance the 500 going into 2019. Um, if you think about it, in 2018, we had, I don't know, it was like 180 degrees here. It was hot. You know, it was a big day. Um, but the car certainly did what we thought was a great job, but we can always be better. So we're excited about that. Um, got a lot of good things that I think coming up with some, you know, we talked about OEMs a lot. They're part, a big part of this plan. Um, so the future is bright. It's about these guys who do a phenomenal job. Um, we certainly thank them for all they do and, and as a group appreciate them very much. So that's about all I got. Scott, as the reigning series champion, you're coming off of an extraordinary year. As you hear Mark and Jay talk about all of these things that are, that are moving the series forward, what does that mean to you as a driver? Yeah, I think it's huge. You know, I think IndyCar, we, we know or uh, is very much perceived that we have the, the best racing product out there. You know, it's, it's uh, I'm you know, really excited about the NBC deal. I think if you look at what they've done uh, with the Kentucky Derby or even the Olympics, um, you know, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, room to improve, you know, one, what we sell, the package, um, you know, and, and then obviously getting people to tune in. So I think that's, that's you know, very big for us. Um, as far as for me, you know, with the additional races that we've added, um, you know, the competition level uh, for the drivers is just through the roof, you know, and, and you can see that, you know, there's a lot more new teams coming to the series, uh, a lot of talk, you know, about another manufacturer possibly coming in. So it's just really all positives. Um, for me and for our team, it's, it's trying to, you know, defend the championship. You know, that's, that's what's really inspiring us and sparking us to, to start the, uh, you know, 2019 season strong and, and, and try and, uh, you know, go back to back. But, um Unfortunately, I've got to wait, I think, another month before I get back in the car. I haven't been in IndyCar since uh, November, so I'm excited to, to get back behind the wheel. But uh, as you can see today, you know, everything is just so positive and, and uh, what the series really deserves. Alex, as we prepare for spring training next month coming up at Circuit of the Americas, what are some things that you're looking forward to as a driver for the upcoming season? Um, well... I mean, you mentioned Circuit of the Americas. That's obviously a big one for us. I mean, it's uh, it's one of the premier road courses in in North America, so it, it only makes sense that the the premier open wheel series in North America is racing there. So, I think that was kind of a, a long time coming, and and something that's super positive uh, for all of us to be a part of. And saw on the internet that already like the the paddock pass tickets are, are sold out. So. Um, there's a huge amount of excitement in Austin. Austin's a city that, that loves racing, and it's a, it's a pretty young demographic with, with the University of Texas right there. So I think it's great for us and, and exactly the type of people that we need to introduce to IndyCar racing. So 
that's just one of the many positives, as, as these guys have all mentioned, um, with where the series is going in 2019. Questions from the audience? Yes, Bruce, excuse me. Alex, three years ago you came over here and most people just simply knew you as a Formula One test driver. Now you're like a face of the series front and center, probably the American face of this series. To be able to be that, become that in such a short period of time, you're one of the guys that NBC is going to sell moving forward to help the telecast. How well do you accept that uh, responsibility? Well, honestly, I think it's the responsibility of all of us drivers of the IndyCar series to to really take it upon our shoulders um, to to go above and beyond. I mean, this is a sport that we obviously all love and and appreciate the opportunity to participate in. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's up to us as as the people who are putting on the show to ultimately convey to our fans and and to the people watching how much we're passionate about it and the reasons why we love it. So. I don't think it's just me. I think all of the drivers do an amazing job kind of um, promoting the series and pushing the series and, and doing everything that we can to to kind of, you know, increase the excitement um, leading into races. So um, I, I definitely can't accept that as something that I've done. I just, I've seen by example, I guess, guys like Scott, guys like uh, Ryan, obviously my teammate, who really take it upon themselves um, to make sure that, that people love this series and this sport as much as we do. Mark, uh, you had mentioned a month or so ago that that IndyCar was taking over the distribution of the series in Europe. And, of course, with Fernando Alonso coming in when he was here, the attention in Europe was huge. Uh, do you anticipate with him coming back and the fact that you now have the marketing capability to get into Europe that the exposure in Europe will increase dramatically? Yes, uh, but it's more than Europe and broader than Europe. Business-wise, some of you know, we decided to stop the practice of licensing our international media rights and managing the distribution of our racing signal um, and caring for our licensing partners. We, we wanted to stop doing that through a third party and do it ourselves. We're lucky to have IMS Productions as part of our corporate family. They have all the technical expertise needed to handle that part of it. We geared up a little bit, and with Stephen Stark, who's right behind you leading it, um, we have more horsepower to uh, to do the licensing around the world. And so we are, we'll make announcements about deals subsequently, but uh, several are getting done. And the reception generally, uh, Japan, um, New Zealand, Australia, Europe, around the world, IndyCar is uh, more top of mind. So we think that can be helpful to us as a business, but also... Um, a real uptick in the amount of coverage and the, number of, the amount of fans who can watch IndyCar racing. So more on that later, but um, Fernando's a help for sure, especially in Spain, and I think uh, other fans around the world pay attention when an F1 world champion races uh, the Indianapolis 500-mile race. But it's really good news broadly, and uh, I think it's a tribute to what these guys have done over the years and how they've proven that it is the best racing in the world. We do have a few media members calling into a teleconference line. I want to remind them that if they'd like to insert a question, all they have to do is press star and then one on their phone. Any other questions here from the audience? Scott, I'll ask you a question. As the, as the reigning champion, you certainly have 
a target on your back, so to so to speak. Uh, what are some of your thoughts coming? You've been in this position before. You're very familiar with it. What are some things that you do mentally to prepare for a season like that? Yeah, I guess the uh, the target's not there anymore. Uh, obviously, it's a PNC branding now, but. Um, um, no, I think I don't know. I've, I've never metaphorical target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've never gone back to back, so obviously I've got a problem with that. Uh, it's something I need to figure out. Uh, something obviously that's at uh, the forefront of of uh, not just myself but the whole team. But yeah, it's, it's always difficult. You know, I think as everybody has spoken up here uh, and everybody knows just the the competitiveness and and how tough the competition is right now. There's there's never one standout. You know, there's. Uh, you know, four, five, six uh, teams that have the possibility of winning uh, with many drivers. So, you know, that's what uh, drives me every day of, of wanting to train harder, uh, prepare better, and, and obviously work with, with our partners to, to try and get, you know, a bit of a leg up. So um, it's definitely not going to be easy, but, you know, uh, going into the season, we know that's definitely the goal. Bruce? Scott, you were front and center on the uh, Eagles-Bears playoff game the other night with the NBC Indy 500 commercial. What did you think of it? I felt bad for the kicker. Um, uh, but no, that was fantastic to see, you know, and, and as as Mark said, you know, that that was, uh, you know, huge to see, you know, the activation that NBC's already putting in. And, and you know, I was at an event actually in Florida, a golfing event, the father-son uh, PNC event, you know, a few weeks ago and spent a lot of time with uh, the heads at NBC and and just, you know, how pumped they are about this and how much they're going to push it. And they know what a big deal, you know, IndyCar racing is. Uh, you know, it's going to be very cool to see, obviously, the, the Indy 500, I think, under their belt, too. A question for both Scott and Alexander. You mentioned, Scott, about being in condition. To you guys, how important is it now, today, to be physically fit to race? Uh, I think it helps. You know, there's there's no downside to it. Uh, for me, it's always been a big part of of preparation for for my season. Um, you know, and, and I know uh, you know Alex, you know, puts in the effort and, and time too. We actually train out of the same facility. Uh, you know, the cars have changed a lot, the forces, you know, the the length of the races. Um, but it's always trying to eliminate something that you know may take you out of a race or, or you know. Um, you know, not allow you to think as easy as you should, uh, you know, in those high intense, uh, you know, situations or, or if it's a hot day like we saw, you know, last year uh, here in, in May. So, yeah, it's for me it's it's uh, something I enjoy, um, you know, but something also that I think is very important at any level uh, of racing, but obviously at the, at the pinnacle. Mark, uh, I'm slightly excited about uh, the Indianapolis 500 being on Channel 13. Any chance that we could show that live this May? You sound like your general manager. <laughs> Everybody in New York. Our, our, uh, our policy hasn't changed. Uh, we were delighted when we, we really couldn't sell any more tickets here in 2016 to be able to make it available live in Indianapolis. At this point, we still believe that um, this event being the, the biggest attended sporting event in the world every year, places a special importance on that crowd. And so, and, and a big part of the crowd, certainly not all of it, but a big part of it comes from this viewing uh, market. So we're not really reevaluating that. We're, we'll uh, do everything in our power and with our partners at NBC and, and uh, here to get it sold out. That's a, that's a long ball to hit. But um, uh, in the meantime, I think you have to expect the same policy. Jay, with the added um, responsibility you now have 
uh, I feel that one of Mark's high points is he knows how to put the right people in the right job, get the people in to do it, and certainly you are there. Does this added responsibility take away from what you do, putting the series together? Because I know when I go in through the paddock and talk to the teams and the owners and so forth, they all love it because you'll listen. You'll, you'll take the time to hear what they all have to say, and they listen to you as well. But does this new thing take away from the time and the effort you put into the series itself? Um, I certainly don't think so because it all ties together, right? We're a racing series, a racing league. So, um, you know, there will be a couple more direct reports to me. There will be a couple more things that I have to do. But on a race weekend, there won't be anything different than what I'm currently doing right now. Um, again, as we as you plan and have a process and do different things, it becomes where you're just executing your plan and your process. So. We'll come up with some different things to do about how we go about the approach, but I don't. It shouldn't affect that. No. I understand that we have a question from Mark Cipollone of Auto Racing One on the teleconference line. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir, we can. Um, I have two um, questions. Two questions, if I may. Uh, the first one is for Alexander. Um, what's it going to take, um, Alexander, to to go up, up one step next year and beat the guy on your right? A lot of things, probably. Um, you know, I, I think the, the big thing with Scott and and um, his team is, is just the consistency that they had over the year. And, um, you know, obviously he won a lot of races, but when we look at kind of where it went wrong for us, it was it was quite a few races we gave away um, pretty easy points. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a competitive championship, as we've all said, and, and it punishes mistakes, even small ones. So I think we just got to, um, you know, continue hopefully our development that we saw from 2017 to 2018 and, and carry that forward to next year and um, just be more consistent across the board. And hopefully that'll be enough. Uh, but I'm sure Scott will, uh, you know, continue winning races. And he's won like 100 now. So uh, he'll be hard to beat until he stops racing, which I hope is soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I have a question for Jay. Um, Jay, um, has the uh, windscreen making made any further progress? Do you anticipate that being implemented um, this coming year, or are we still a year away? Uh, we're, we're, it's one of those processes where you're maybe two steps forward and one step back, and there's lots of different things that are going on with it. Um, we should know more in the next couple of weeks. Uh, there was some tests done last month, and part of it was really good. Part of it wasn't so good, um, and that's one of the things that you've got to go about Again, I bring up this for the process, but uh, there's certainly you want to make sure it's foolproof. You want to make sure what you do. Um, there's always a cause and effect to everything we do. So, what is is there a negative effect? You know that type of thing. So, um, it's ongoing the development of it. Um, there's uh, actually there's other ideas too that we're looking at. So, it could be all part of the whole piece. Um, so, it, it's still yet to be determined. Thank you, okay. Mark. Arnie, any more questions? Thank you, Mark. Arnie, any more questions from the teleconference line? No, great. We'll finish off with Bruce. This is for either Mark or Jay. Uh, by, Jay has a tremendous amount of resources that he had in his previous position through sponsorship, marketing, sales of that nature. When he moved over to competition, he was a little bit removed from that, although still very involved, to now have him in that loop. Does this really help to be able to tap in all the resources that he's got on both sides of uh, the fence? Yes, from my perspective, and uh, I appreciated Jay's uh, question or answer to Don's question about 
will it in any way dilute his focus on competition operation, which is really job one, and we both believe the answer is no. Saying that, why did we want to do it? Um, we think it's better to more tightly, if you want to think of it this way, connect the communications and the marketing and even the sales to the product, to the racing. And he's shown that he has uh, the skill and the experience to deal with all aspects of that. So I, I just think that it makes it us um, operate in a more tight way. And, you know, there's, there's going to be no error between what he's doing on the track, what's happening on the track, and how we're communicating with it, how we relate to the drivers and the teams. The same for our marketing. I think it's going to be really good for helping NBC develop their marketing aligned with ours because we're all going to be in great close communication with, with fewer reports. So I, I think it's a good structure for us. It'll add value, and I think Jay's up for it. Um, no, well, everything, we're, we're very much in the people business. Obviously, this is everything we do is about the people, you know, um, from the race teams to what the league to you got to have really good people. you got to um, make them accountable and, um, you know, give them the tools that they need for success. So I think we got great people. This whole paddock is spectacular. Um, it's a pleasure, again, with the five-year plan. We created it together. It was a lot of work. Um, but we've got a lot, a lot of really smart people in the series, and we, we tap into that as much as we can. And at the end of the day, we obviously have to make the decision, but it always, I thought, behooved us to talk to our stakeholders um, to get a, an opinion, a direction, their thought process. And that's, we'll continue to do that across the board now, where before we had you know, one element of it, but we'll do it across the other two buckets of the business, too. And I apologize. We're going to take one more question from David Mulsher from Motorsport.com on the teleconference line. David, Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask, uh, I realize in the press release it says that uh, qualifying broadcast schedules uh, will be announced at a later date. But uh, will they need to be paid, uh, you know, will it be a paid-for service on uh, NBC Gold? Or will uh, some uh, qualifying sessions be broadcast uh, live on regular TV? For sure, you'll see NBC and NBCSN involved. Whether or not Gold has anything that they can stream live from the track is among those things we got to sort out. But the, the qualifying two days will be a combination of NBC and SN. Okay. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, I don't think we have any further questions. Thank you so much. They will be available for select one-on-ones following the press conference, and thank you for joining us. Thank you.